Does self-care feel selfish to you? If you're like many people, you worry that taking time for yourself leaves less time for you to care for others. You may also feel that it's not possible to take time for self-care and keep up with the demands of your busy role. This week, I talked with John Chilkatowski, an executive coach and former executive leader, about the importance of putting ourselves first. John shares his story of how a panic attack led him to rethink his approach to work and the advice he has for others who may be neglecting their own self-care. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Files. My name is Kim Menninger, and as an executive coach and former high-tech leader, my personal mission is to help professionals overcome imposter syndrome so that you can advance your career with confidence. Each week, I interview a new guest who brings a powerful perspective to this conversation, including personal stories, best practices, and new insights. The more we talk about this issue, the more we destigmatize imposter syndrome, recognize that we're not alone, and empower ourselves to access the tools and resources that can help us and those around us. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing with others you think would benefit from this conversation. Welcome, John. I'm so glad that we're finally here and having this conversation. Before we jump in, I'd love to invite you to introduce yourself. Thank you, Kim. Yeah, great to be here as well. So I'm John Cholkotowski. I'm calling here today from right near Ithaca, New York, the Finger Lakes area, upstate. And um, do you want me to give a little more, Kim, or just do you want yeah. to get more as we go? Well, I'd love to hear just a little bit more about your work and kind of what your focus areas are. Sure. Yeah, sure. So, um, so I started as a, a Fortune 500 consultant. I did that for about five years with Accenture. Moved into uh, C-suite roles with mid-sized nonprofits for about 15 years, and uh, now it's like the work I do is I I work with leaders and teams at all levels to help them elevate communication, collaboration, and a sense of fulfillment. So to me, that can look a lot of different ways, but I'll I'll pause there and just see where we might go next. Yeah. So I'm really curious to hear your story of were there particular aspects of your own career that you felt you needed to address by moving into this new world that you're in now? Like, how how did you make the link between the old world and the new world? Well, it's funny just hearing you say that. I'm like, I think I was thinking that just feels like my life you know, continuing to make a link between the old world and the new world. But anyway, I, I won't go there to that extreme. But um, so my work from the corporate world to going into nonprofit leadership was a huge jump. But I would say equally as big was the leap from working as a leader to then being, you know, executive coach, strategic thought partner, whatever we want to call it. and. That was really, there was a there was a moment. So I'll I'll do a brief story here, Kim, just to to go there. So uh, I'm at a nonprofit. I'm the COO there. We're having our best year ever. I've significantly helped the organization double in size, or pretty close to double in size, and I'm feeling pretty good about things. So that's the setup. I'm driving in. Um, I feel uncomfortable 
I pull over to the side of the road. I think I might be having a heart attack. I'm not. I'm having a panic attack. But to me in the moment, the two might is they're the same thing. Mm-hmm. I've never had any experience with either, but I'm uncomfortable and something's something's off. And so basically I tried to keep working. I couldn't. Someone, you know, I'd be in a meeting room and someone would close the door and all of a sudden I'd have claustrophobia. And all I could focus on was like, you know, I could hear my heartbeat, right? You know, I mean, it was just like, and and so my anxiety was so high that I couldn't work. I was questioning in that moment, you know, things things went through my head. I've had two uh, two young daughters in the moment uh, when this happened. Um, and, you know, one was like, is my nervous system just not built for this level of leadership, right? Like that was what went through my head. Can I not do this? Do I need to... Do I need to downgrade and take like a, 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 a literally boring office job? I don't mean any, I mean, right? Like something that's just boring and I can clock in and clock out and it's not no stress really. And somewhere at this point, a mentor came to me and said, John, you know, would you like to work with a coach? You know, we've had a lot of great results in the past, especially around stress. And, and I said, yeah, that'd be great. So this was 2010, Kim. So coaching was still, coaching was out there, but it wasn't, it definitely wasn't known as much in the nonprofit world. I'll say that. And I said, oh, that sounds great. I had no idea. I had no idea what it was. I had no idea what I was getting myself in for, but I knew I was suffering, right? I knew I was in trouble and I needed help somehow, which was hard enough to admit, Mm -hmm. but then started to work with the coach, was back to work in a couple of weeks. It was pretty dramatic. Uh, After a couple of months, I would say I was better than ever, but the better than ever came by going sort of down into these things that I didn't know were there, these real blind spots around how I was not taking care of myself in certain ways, how I was not taking care of relationships in certain ways, how things I was doing was creating this, you know, rot, if you will, in the foundation of the organization, whereas outwardly everything looked awesome. So that was pretty humbling mm-hmm. uh, to, to you know say the least. But then coming out of that, the questions after that were what's next that was coming from my coach and i couldn't answer that either but ultimately i said wow this was magic i would love to help other leaders who you know are feeling on the ropes somehow if you will not sure how they can go forward or if they can go forward or in what way um doesn't have to be that extreme but that's sort of how i came from there to here and in, in a bit so mm, that's such a powerful story and i'm curious what you, I'm just trying to think of how to ask this question because it sounds like when you talked about going deep into some of these issues that maybe you weren't examining, what would you advise other people to think about? Is there a way to recognize if someone's listening that they're in the same kind of a situation that they might be prime for the kind of support that you were able to take advantage of? Like maybe short of having a panic attack on the side of the road, right? Which I think is a a really great sort of symbolic image of what you were experiencing. But how do you know, how do people know like there's a rot in the foundation? I think about it. I mean, it's, I have thought about this a lot for myself, you know, how, 
what would I have done if the coach wasn't there? What would I have done if the mentor wasn't there in the moment? Um, I think there's, I mean, I, I don't want to be cliched in any way about this. I think when I've been in that place, and I think a lot of times when I work with others who are in that place, there is a sense either of stuckness, of just like, I am tr trying I'm trying everything I can and I'm actually just getting exhausting. It's like the dream where you're trying to run away, but all of a sudden, like you're running through molasses or your feet are 200 feet long, you know, like you just can't. Um, and, but you're giving all you can. Like, so there's something to that. And by the way, I'm, I'm not, I, I understand that, you know, anxiety and panic and those things could be something handled with a, a therapist. It doesn't have to be a coach by any means or it, or it could help from both, but, um, and then the other side of it, besides that stuckness is this, like, I want to get off, I want to get off the Ferris wheel, or I want to get off, like, things are moving so fast, that there doesn't seem to be this opportunity for reflection, it doesn't seem to be, it's just too, too much. So it's, I think they're both linked, I think people could experience and I have experienced both sometimes but it's this things are moving so fast that i can't i can't i don't I have no idea where i'm going next it's like my day i'm just being propelled from the time like by the time i get out of bed it's like a spring right it's just like boom and the day happens and then i just kind of collapse so i think either of those are ones that i associate both for myself but also in talking with people they have some sense of those and i also just want to say in the world right now, you know, just with all the layoffs that are happening, you know, at the time we're speaking now and, and on the heels of the pandemic or the heels on the pandemic of different places, depending on where you live, I feel like these situations are happening more and more. And um, so those, that's where I sense like people sense like something's off and I need help. I might not know the help I need, but I need help of some kind. And what I frequently find, and I, this was true for me, I didn't have a strong core of mentors in the moment that I felt comfortable reaching out to. I had work relations, but I not outside of that. And I think that's what made it hard for me to acknowledge it until I was, you know, <laughs> not able to work and in a panic attack. So How's that, Kim? Is that? Yeah. Well, you know, you're you're making me think about this in multiple ways because what you're describing is obviously unique to your situation, but very familiar. And I've talked to people from so many different backgrounds at so many different levels that are all feeling some variation of what you're describing. And it just makes me think about, and I think about this a lot of just how broken the system is, right? That it's really not a sustainable system for humans. And you were in the nonprofit space. A lot of the people I talk to are in, you know, traditional corporate environments. It's not working for anyone. I don't really know anybody who's thriving. Right? Everybody's doing what they need to do. And, you know, they may have some indicators of success, whether that's getting promoted, getting a raise, whatever the case may be. But it, it it's hard to find people who say, yes, this is how I want to be spending my life right now. 
Mm. Yeah, the the you know, I stated up front part of what I part of what I think I really I bring as a strength is this sense of fulfillment of recognizing for myself when it's there and when it's not taking action to get there and helping others do that as well. And I know I've I've seen, you know, you've said about, you know, to to being able to be human at work, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's where we're we're right in line there, Kim, with that is especially on the corporate side, but really even on the even on the nonprofit leader side, you know, uh, well, I was just reading now, CEOs, I think even in corporate, the average tenure is less than seven years now. That's mm-hmm. average. And I know it's been that about five in, in nonprofit for a long time. So there, there's a similarity there of, you know, if leaders aren't able to operate at that highest role for more than five, six years, it's like, that's, there is something wrong. So that sense of, of fulfillment, I find it starts with self-care or putting ourselves first. That's the thing to me, you know, when I was, again, when I, when I had a panic attack and I literally couldn't work, it became so clear very quickly that, you know, whether my nervous system, you know, was set out, was meant for that or not, it was like, I had to do something. No one else could do it for me. Even if I had all the coaches and therapists in the world, it was like, I had to do something to shift how I was relating with the world, you know? And and for me, that meant a lot of slowing down, a lot of reflection, things that I wasn't spending time on as a newer parent and a, you know, high-performing, high-value-creating leader. And I I think today it's like my sense of fulfillment when I look back at that was really coming from I not only can I be this great leader by slowing down, I think it's required. I think as as the speed picks up, as we're moving faster and faster, as the environment is changing around us faster and faster, I think it requires more slowdown and reflection. Not just to operate, but if we want to keep operating at higher levels. That's my take on it. And... What would you say to people who are listening, who are thinking, that's just not an option for me, right? I think uh, (laughs) people who believe it's not possible because their, you know, their team isn't slowing down and their boss isn't slowing down and they're going to be left behind in some way that they're not going to be able to keep up and they're going to be seen as less committed or a lower performer. Well, I know you. I know you work a lot with, uh, with you know, women's leadership. Uh, you know, diff- different ways of looking at women's leadership, and so I want to be sensitive in, in my answer to this. But I believe it for everyone that there is this. Well, one, I believe that rest is a critical component of high performance. Mm. Period. Right. We all know if we don't get, we we all. I mean, I deny it. Uh, you know, that I need as much sleep as, as other humans. Uh, but but it's true, right? So to the extent that I am getting the sleep I need, I'm able to function at a higher level. To the extent that I'm able to pause and reflect about myself, about my team, about what's going on in the organization, in the world, 
is essential. It's, it's just a, it's like, it's, it, so what would I say? Uh, I guess it's a, you know, if you're not doing that now, how, how about a little experiment? You know, mm. that's how I, that's how I sort of got into it was recognizing and being willing and working with my coach was, you know, how about an experiment? How about doing this? How about doing that? And that made it much more, it was easier for me to try new things in that, in that world of experimentation, you know, of a growth mindset that I thought, and I think all of us do, oh, I've got a growth mindset, right? And then we start to realize it's not, it's not an on-off switch, that there's all these different layers and intensities and continuums of places that we don't look. And I think only when we're able to pause and reflect and whatever that looks like, it could be going for a walk, it could be yoga, it could be, it could be a lot of things. But without that, I think about the, the I said Ferris wheel, but even like merry-go-round, mm. like that sense of there's someone standing and you can see their face and they're a friend, but you're going so fast that it's just this uncomfortable dreamlike blur. And, and to me, it's like, that's especially now, I think that that, that image, that perception that I can't slow down because I'll lose something is actually sending us more quickly to lose something. Yes. <laughs> you know, so that's my sense of it. I don't know if that's convincing to anyone listening, but that's, <laughs> that's been my sense of it. I think that's such a good way to put it. It's sort of um, accelerating the inevitable, right? Because as much as, like you said, we want to believe that we don't require as much sleep as other people, we can multitask better than anybody else. There's all kinds of stories we tell ourselves to justify this type of behavior, but eventually it catches up to us. And it catches up to us either in the form of burnout or panic attacks, or even just, you know, you make a mistake because you're operating on fumes, right? And you just don't have the brain power available and that that can derail your efforts. And so I think that a big challenge and a big opportunity is to really reframe how we think about self-care and really try to understand that self-care is not selfish. Self-care is not, you know, I'll get to it when I get to it, right? Which never, the time never comes. It's, that is an investment in myself so that I can do my best work. Absolutely. And, and do, and, and you just hit on that, that selfish and self-care part. I think that so many times, um, you know, for myself and for others, there's this sense of, well, if I'm doing that for me, then I'm giving less to others. And I think that's the, that's the twist for me that I, I really needed to shift at some point was, you know, oh, if I'm, if I'm getting more sleep, then somewhere I'm taking away that time from someone else, you know, or if I'm going and doing my workout, oh, how could I be so selfish? I'm not, but it's, it's exactly that flip in there of no, when I do that within reason, okay, we're not, we're not talking about like, you know, five hours, uh, but when I do that thing, I, I am recharging my batteries to the extent that I am now going to be that much more present and available for everyone in my life. So it is this like sort of twist in there. Um, and then leadership presence was the other part that was just coming in when you said about um, 
you had made a comment in there, Kim, sorry, I'm forgetting the exact words, but, but I was just thinking also how this overlaps so much when people say, yeah, I want more confidence in the way I present myself, you know, in the way I'm speaking in the way I'm, you know, I'm being passed over for promotion because they're saying I'm not confident, you know? And again, it's like, well, where in your day do you have that moment of, I am completely here right now. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't mean it mystically. I mean, just literally when I'm not thinking about, oh my gosh, what could happen if this doesn't work out? And oh my gosh, that thing I did earlier and I really screwed up. It's like, when am I right here? able to listen to others and be like ah i not only sense what you're saying but i can i can feel the emotional impact of what's going on for you you know and i'm not just thinking about what i'm going to say next yeah that quality you know again whether it's it's men women it, it doesn't matter it's like that quality i believe comes from what you said that making that investment in ourselves and again, whatever that looks like, but making that investment in ourselves builds that that confidence, or I would also say compassion is the other word I'd bring in. It's this sense of I'm a human and I need nurturing of some kind. And to the extent I deny that is, I believe, the extent I deny it for others who I really want to be of service to. Well, and, and that's such a great way to put it, too, because I'm also thinking about what responsibility do we have to each other in these environments? And I'm curious to hear your perspective on this, having mentioned that you were at, at the C level, right? So you're a COO, you're you know, driving yourself into the ground, and in your mind, and I think this is true for so many, right, whether you're a parent or you're a manager, you're thinking, I have to take care of other people first. And that's the justification for not taking care of yourself. But at the same time, what you're sending is a very powerful message that this is what success looks like to everybody else in the organization, and that it's not okay for them to go take an hour out of their day to have a workout or for them to not respond to emails at midnight either, because they're watching you. And so, you know, as much as we think to your point that like the extra hour that I'm sleeping is time spent away from somebody that I should be taking care of, it's also reinforcing a message that we don't value taking care of yourself, that we value doing whatever it takes to get the work done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the do what I say, not what I do. Yes. I mean, it's, 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 uh, in- incongruous is a is a word that I, I definitely comes up in, in the work that I do. And it's like, okay, well, when was the last time you took a vacation? Well, our company has an unlimited vacation policy. Okay, so when was the last time you took vacation? Yeah, it's been like four or five months. You know, okay, how about the people on your team? What's your perspective on what do you what do you tell them? Oh, they should take, you know, they come to me and they they Oh, you should definitely take it. And I said, okay, so what, yeah, to your point, like what message, what message do you think that gives them as far as what being a successful leader is? Does it mean letting everybody else go, but you never have to because you're not actually human? (laughs) You know, you're, 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 you're a Marvel superhero, you know, like what, what are you, you know? And so it's in that, I mean, I'm, I'm pointing, I'm, I'm talking about myself in here as well, you know, um, just to be clear, it's like, what, what 
are you telling yourself about taking time away? What's what are you telling yourself and what are you telling others? And what's the difference in here? You mm-hmm. know, and, and what's going to result from that? Okay, those five leaders on your team who keep taking vacation, do they what do they believe about the opportunity for promotion if they keep taking vacation like a human would? Mm-hmm. You know. Anyway, so so I'd say there's there's so much in there, Kim. It's it's um I I know that for me, you know, sleep, I'll I'll just go back to that, but it's related to me. It's like sleep so often is, oh, I just want to read my book, right? But it's time, it should be time to turn out the light and go to bed for me to get the sleep I need. And so I've watched, you know, these, what, what, what am I telling myself? You know, on the one hand, it's like, John, you deserve this time. That's a powerful message. You deserve this. You've had a busy day. You've been serving others. You deserve this. And then on the other hand, it's like, well, but you deserve to be rested in the morning. That's the way in which you're going to be able to enjoy your day, have the have the most feeling of fulfillment, and be able to serve all those people at a higher level. If you're exhausted, what are you going to do? So it's sort of I've talked about this sort of like uh, you know angel and devil on my shoulders in a sense. Like, and and I'll admit, like sometimes I just hear it and I smile, and I'm like, I'm I'm not sure how to navigate this. But someone someone helped me out with it. Um, like that one in particular, somebody said, well, so how much sleep do you want to get? I'm like, yeah, you know, seven, eight hours, somewhere in there. Okay. Um, and I said, but I rebel against the notion that I have to get seven or eight. I rebel against that. And they're like, okay, well, how do you want to feel in the morning? I want to feel rested. Okay. Well, what's going to have you feeling rested? And there's something about there's something about like being told by an expert you need, need seven or eight hours, even if that expert is me, uh, <laughs> right? And then there's something about how do I want to feel? How do I actually want to experience my day? That for me, um, how do how do I want others to experience me? Mm. How do I want to show up for others? And what's it like when I don't get the sleep I need? I, everybody knows at some level. I think we just you know. What is it? Uh, you know, uh, denial. Denial ain't just a river in in Egypt. You know, <laughs> right? Right. No, that, that's really true. And I wonder, as I'm hearing you talk to, do you think? And you can probably speak from personal experience as well as just from what you're seeing out there in the world. And as you're talking with clients, like, do you think it's possible for an individual? to affect change in the system today like would you be able to do the job that you were doing as coo with this new mindset and this new way of operating or was the environment too fixed to allow for people to take more control of their own relationship to their work. And I'm sure that's dependent on environment, but I just wonder for people thinking like, nope, that wouldn't fly here. How much personal influence do we have when we feel like the environment is stuck in this old way of thinking about things? Mm. A lot of thoughts on that one for sure. (laughs) Um, Well, so my first, when you, when you asked me the first part of that, I, I instantly, I was like, yes, you know, 
change has to start with an individual, right? So I so I would say there's always that opportunity. There was something I was uh, exposed to recently, and they they was talking about um, the formula of survival for organizations, which is learning is equal to or greater than the rate of environmental change. Hmm. So they wrote it out as like you know L greater than or equal to EC, um, and so. That was the other thing that came up here for me in, in your question was, I think when, I won't say if, but when we engage in this sort of quest for change of the system or whatever it might be, it it has to start with us and it has, it has to be this commitment. Um, I've had it, heard it laid out as, you know, there's a project we engage in and then there's a curriculum that we engage in. So if I say, I want to change this aspect of the organization, let's just say, and and it's something meaningful to me, right? It's not something I feel I can currently do. There is an, an equal and required curriculum learning for me. I need to learn and change and be different in order to make that thing happen. And I I believe that like the act of leadership is that commitment to, you know, putting this stake in the ground and saying, I really want this change. I mean, it could be, I want this sales quota, but I'm saying, you know, it, it's something meaningful that we can't do right now. And so when we embark on that, whether we acknowledge it or not, there is, an, there is something in us saying, I'm going to need to change. That's scary, but also exciting, right? And there's something about that. Uh, somebody said, um, anxiety is excitement without the breath, right? So, <laughs> you know, I think about that, right? So so I think when somebody says, I want to enact change here somehow, there is the requirement of a commitment of how how much am I willing to learn and change myself? How fast am I willing to? Because it's, it's a commitment, right? Um, and then when we embark on that when we change we might see that do you know what i'm not sure how any amount of change in me is going to result in the change i want to see here but it i don't know that we can know that ahead of time mm. i think so right so if if i say like oh, it's just too much and i haven't really taken on much of any personal change um i don't have a vista i don't i don't have a viewpoint in my opinion to look at this and know Whereas if I've put in the time and the change and I'm like, yep, uh, I see where I could be effective here. I think it's going to take five years to do what I really want. I think I, my time would be better spent somewhere else in a more supportive environment. So that's my sense of it, Kim. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been thinking about that a lot, too, is just that that natural tendency that we have to jump to the conclusion that something is not possible or, you know, whatever that fixed mindset is in the moment. And like we're talking about in this case of, no, it's not possible that I can take care of myself and stay successful in the environment that I'm in. But I think that's a really good point too, is, well, first of all, you don't know that yet because you haven't put in the work. But also if you do put in the work and you get to a point where you realize I've confirmed my hypothesis, right? That this is not going to be possible. That doesn't mean that 
you failed, it just probably gives you more data about, well, maybe this isn't the right environment for me, right? That this is, this is not the only place where I can bring my strengths and talents. Maybe I want to find a place that allows me to take care of myself and achieve my goals at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And do, could I, could I share one more thing in here, Kim? Yeah, please do. So, um, well, and again, currently as we're speaking, there's like layoffs all over the place in multiple industries, right? And and so whether I'm working with someone who has been laid off or is seeing every, you know, good friends and coworkers be laid off around them, or someone in a situation where they report into, let's just say, uh, a CEO of a prominent company, and that CEO is not is not going to allow the change that these people want. Um, that conversation about what good work can I do here for the sake of my team and for the sake of myself, because just to be resilient in the face of, you know, sort of being pulled two different ways. Um, I think that conversation is a vital one right now mm -hmm. because I see I see a lot of people jumping to another organization because things are tough right now. And sometimes that's the right move. And sometimes it's the move just for movement's sake and sticking it out a little longer and thinking about not the next move, but two moves away. So what could you do right now before you make that jump somewhere else that's going to set you up? And how is that next move setting you up for what's next? What experiences do you want in your career that you haven't had? You know, that's just from a work side to it. But those conversations, I think, are, are right now so vital with things changing so fast. Again, people feeling either like, oh, my gosh, I got laid off or, wow, everybody about me got laid off. What is the organization now? Something, something about that just feels like really vital conversations right now. I think you're absolutely right. And I agree with you when it comes to this idea of not leaving too prematurely. Obviously, if you are, if it's toxic, if you, you know, can barely yes. make it through the day, that's a different story. But if you haven't developed, let's call them the boundaries, the habits, the behaviors that are going to help you to navigate your environment in a more empowered way way, you're going to take those same habits and behaviors with you to wherever you go next. And now you're just going to be in an environment where you don't feel as connected. You feel that much more pressure to prove yourself. So it's unlikely you're going to achieve the goals <laughs> that have mm -hmm. brought you to that new place in the first place. So you're absolutely right. I think if you, once you decide this is maybe not the right place for me, it's the perfect sandbox to start investing in yourself and in the sort of skills and strengths that you want to bring with you wherever you go in your career. Cause now you're, it, it, the stakes aren't as high, right? Like I've already decided I'm probably going to leave here anyway. So it gives me some room for, as you said earlier, experimentation. Yeah. You know, and what you just said, Kim, I was just thinking of, I'm not sure if you've experienced this yet or not, but in, um, you know, in, in giving some kind of, you know, 360 degree feedback for leaders, I've, I've heard it now coming in more where, uh, there's the opportunity to include a spouse or significant other in that feedback. So in wow. other words, it's totally through, it's sponsored through the workplace, but in having 
these people outside the, you know, air quotes work environment, sometimes, and I will claim this for myself as well, sometimes being able to see how the pattern isn't just a work pattern, it's a life pattern. Sometimes when we see over in the personal side of things, you know, outside of work, like, oh, I'm doing that there as well. And it's having an impact there as well can be the, now we get traction. Now we're like, oh, I'm motivated to change. You know, I could kind of torture myself and others a little bit at work, but I'm not willing to do that outside with the people who I'm closest with. Yeah. So it's, I just, I find so that again, bringing that humanness to work, um, something about including that other voice or voices outside of work is starting to work its way in. I, I find that very encouraging. I, I, I think that's, um, I think it's a step in the right direction. I would agree. I have not seen that yet, but I think that's a great idea. It also acknowledges our wholeness as humans, right? That we're not just these um, workers who have this compartmentalized life outside of the work environment. Um, And it does sort of give you a wake up call as it relates to your overall values of, am I being the person that I want to be, not just the professional that I want to be? Yeah. Wow. This has been such a powerful conversation, John. I really appreciate it. I feel like you and I could keep going for for hours. There's so much to what we're talking about. But um, in the interest of time, where can people find you if they want to learn more about your work? Yeah. Easiest is my website, www.northstar-coaching.com. That's easiest. And then I will make sure that that we link to that in the show notes along with your bio as well. Um, But thank you so much. Any final thoughts you want to share? Uh, It was a pleasure, Kim. This is, uh, you know, I'll say that this topic, you know, sometimes the topic of, you know, imposter syndrome or confidence, it's, it's everywhere. And yet I feel like right now in particular, I think it's, it's bubbling up as there's so much change, you know, again, in the environment and organizations. And, and so I think it's, um, I don't think we're done with it. I don't think we've figured it out. I think it's, I think it's a, a work in progress that might be even more important right now. So thank you for having me here, Kim, for the conversation. Oh, my pleasure, John. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Imposter Syndrome Files. If you would like to continue this conversation in a safe and trusted space, I would love for you to join my virtual discussion group every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. For the past several years, the group has been limited to women, but it is now open, regardless of gender, to anyone who is interested in exploring and troubleshooting common workplace challenges, building better awareness of ourselves and others, and becoming more inclusive allies at work. Check out the show notes for more info on how to find us, and please join us next week for another episode of The Imposter Syndrome Files.